Stephanie Hansen. Hey, Stephanie March. And we are here for you today. We have a great show. We are being joined by lots of guests in studio today. We have Rob and Jeffrey. Thank gosh they have their name tags on because <laughs> they can't remember anything you today. Are, you're a little bit, yeah, uh, it's not yes. you guys. I know. I <laughs> went to Project Down and Dirty last night. We laughed a little bit and I just formally should thank all of the uh, weekly hosts here that do such a great job and be Arthur and Jess Hammond and Brooke and Dan and all the people that make things run here. Last count when I was there last night, they had raised over $122,000 for local charities, including Tubman, Gilda's Club, uh, Stevie Ray's um, Life Skills and uh, Smile Network. So that all comes from you guys. It's $5 donations, it's $50 donations, it's $100 donations. Every little bit counts. I saw many of you last night. I got called Steph March twice. Why not? That happens. Why not? Um, that happens. And it's an honor to be <laughs> called Steph March, you know? It's, it's, it's impressive. I love it. I love it. I love it when people say to me, oh, I loved your Chef's Table book. And I say, no, that's Stephanie Meyer. But thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank I worked you hard much. on it. <laughs> How's Blue Plate Restaurant Group? Yes. No, nope, nope. that's Stephanie Shimp. Keep yep. going. We're good. We're good. Um, all right. At the beginning of the second hour, we always tell you two things that we're obsessed with in our worlds this week. It's the top two in hour two. Give him the old one, two. One, two, one, two. And now the weekly dish presents top two, top two, the top two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two. Winning, winning, winning. All right, this is the top two in our two. Stephanie March, you want to get us started? I'll kick it off. So happening right now. It started three minutes ago. Knife sharpening for charity. Oh. If you are running around today and you are thinking about doing a little something, you know, you're kind of doing your errands. Here's a great thing, you guys. Get your knives. Get to a Cooks of Crocus Hill for two bucks. You're just all you have to do is donate two dollars and you get your knife sharpened for free. And it's just a, I'm totally doing this, this is a huge service and it's a really good idea. Um, especially guys, as we're going into cooking season, we're heading into feast season, and that means that you should have sharp knives. And basically, these guys are donating House of Charity in Minneapolis. If you're out in Stillwater, they're doing Valley Outreach. These organizations are helping families prepare to start new lives on their own. It's a really small thing that they're doing, but it's a big thing, because they're just... Basically, if you just go out, it's a suggested... Donation of $2 per knife. But if you have more, if you want to throw in a 10 bucks, still, you can get, you know, a 10 bucks to charity, get your knife sharpened and just set for the feast. Here's the uh, no serrated, no ceramic, right? Anything other than that. I'm doing this today. I have to go pick up my race packet. So I'm going to drop my knives off. Yeah. I got those cut gold yeah, knives do that it. they sharpen for free, but you never know where the sharpening place is. Yeah, no, I don't even. Yeah. So basically, you know, just kind of head out there. It's both Stillwater and Minneapolis. Love so it. So do it. And not St. Paul. It Does it say not St. Paul? I don't know. Uh, Sorry. I know. That's the rule of the show is you don't ask questions that the person doesn't have the answer to. Yeah. I, don't um, know. I will find course, out before we are do. done with this. But it basically uh, says Stillwater in Minneapolis right now. 
Yeah. Okay. I think that's right stuff. Maybe they don't have a sharpener in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll see if I can get that into the schedule here okay. today. Um, I want to tell you about a couple things. One is um, a gift that I brought for our guest today that somebody brought for me. Oh, go ahead. I'm just going to say it does say in all locations. Oh, just so you're clear. It does say knife sharpening in all locations. Good. I'm going to do that today. So a gal that I met last week uh, said, hey, do you ever feature products that aren't from the Twin Cities? I was like, of course. So she promptly sent me some cookies that were life changing. It's called Eat Salty Sweet. It is EatSaltySweet.com. And these are cookies that are packaged up one cookie per bag and they have the most delicious flavors they have like a cinnamon a caramel crunch a chocolate chip they all have salt on them oh and so it's like the sweet and then the salty this is a great gift idea if you have someone that you need to get like a holiday gift for Mm -hmm. i wanted to just call it out i really enjoyed them they were very delicious i'm kind of a snob about like packaged brownies and packaged cookies because we have so many good local products here. Yeah. But it was um, very high quality. Eat Salty Sweet was the name of the product. Okay. That sounds great. Um, my second one for Top 2 and Hour 2 is actually something happening next Sunday, which is... Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Oyster Fest. Is it what? next Sunday? I know. It is. I it- wondered why... Okay. Uh, yeah, Oyster Fest. And there it is. It. It's, we call it the last best fest of the season because pretty much the last time we're going to all be outside because <laughs> it's going to start to get years, real dicey. It's been so beautiful. It has, we have had the last, you guys, this is the eighth year. I've emceed or done, you know, kind of the Oyster Shucking Festival part of it every year. It, it's this is, at, this is at Meritage we're talking about, downtown St. Paul, on Sunday the 14th. And it is... Um, it is it is beyond fun, but the last eight years we've had these spectacularly sunny days that are just bright and welcoming and fun and gorgeous and sometimes warm. Uh, this year is maybe the first year we're having a little bit of a dip in the weather. Uh, it's supposed to be about 50, which is still lovely. That's yes. scarf and boots weather. And I mean, like, you know, throw down on the old oysters and maybe have a couple fire pits to hang Next out Sunday, at. Partly yeah. cloudy and 47 is what it's looking like. Which I just round up to 50, which is right. I yeah. mean, I think that's perfect. So I just want to say everybody should come out. The general, the VIP is sold out, but you can still show up for general admission. And uh, then you buy some tokens to see how many oysters you want to eat and just slog a whole bunch and throw them back. There's some it's oyster stout will be pouring. That's a great beer. They're also going to be doing a whole pig, like a, a, a pig roast. And so if you're not up for oysters, but you want to come listen to the Southside Aces, there's live music. It's a really good time. They block off that area right in front of Meritage. And it's just one of downtown St. Paul's kind of like most chill, most awesome food fests. Fun times. Fun times. So I that's, do love that festival. I do. And it's that you can get tickets at uh, right off the Meritage dash St. Paul dot com website. All right. Um, Stephanie. Yeah. Does it's okay. This it's not often that I am like at a restaurant and someone says, oh, you should order this. And I've never heard of what they're asking me to order. And it happened to me last week. I was with a friend and we were at Tria up in North Oaks. Yeah. And she said, um, the waitress said, oh, you know, you really should order the Shamir pudding. I was like, the what? She's like, the Shamir pudding. I'd never heard of it. She said, well, the owners of that restaurant are descendants of like the James J. Hill family and they live in Montreal and Shamir C-H-O-M-E-U-R pudding is something that is say it again C-H Shamir C-H-O-M-E-U-R pudding 
And it's something that is like a dessert that you see in Montreal. A classic French-Canadian sweet. Yeah. So what it is, is it's like a pastry that's kind of like a cookie. It's sort of a sweet pastry. And then it's in like a, a caramel sauce, almost like a sticky toffee sauce. And then they're in at Tria, they have a scoop of ice cream on it. It was so delicious. And I have a picture of it on my Instagram at Stephanie's Dish. And I also found a recipe for it that I'm going to put up that was on the tasting table, which is a website that talks a lot about food. Go ahead. Can I just tell you, did you look at all about like what the the etymology and history of it is? No, I know that it's based in like maple syrup because obviously it's called it's technically it means uh, it's poor man's pudding. Pudding chemier is a dessert that was created by female factory workers early during the Great Depression in Quebec. And it's casually served as a regional dessert, but it's basically uh, perhaps a bit more popular during the, the saison de sucre when maple sap is collected and processed and usually part of the offerings of a sugar shack. Well, there you go. Wow. It was delicious. It it was like kind of like a denser pastry. So a cross between kind of like pastry and a cookie. She said this is I think the edema is supposed to be a basic cake batter onto which hot maple syrup is poured before baking. Yeah. Interesting. And, like and then the cake rises edge. through the liquid, which settles to the bottom of the pan, mixing with the batter and creating a distinct layer at the bottom of the I'm gonna make this. It was really good. I have a recipe, so okay. I'm gonna put it up on the weekly dish show page. Um, it was very delicious. It was super good. It was something I hadn't had before and it was mapley and it felt like fall and oh, I really liked great. it. Shamir pudding, you can make it or they have it at Tria is the only place I'd ever seen it on the menu. I've never heard of it before either. The funny thing, Stephanie, is someone heard me talking to the server and she's a listener. Yeah. And she like called me over and she goes, okay, this is my special place. And we come here once a year for my birthday. They at Tria and at all the Morrissey group restaurants, you get a bottle of wine that is equivalent to the age of your birthday in value. Yeah. So, so if you're 47, you get a $47 bottle of wine. Yeah. So she goes there for the wine and then she gets this special dessert. And she was like, I can't believe you've never heard of this before. This is so great. Oh, my God. Because she was just a huge weekly dish listener. So awesome. Shamir pudding. Shamir pudding. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So that is the top two in hour two. We're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we've got the Makers of Minnesota segment. We've got uh, some more liquor makers into the show. It's a big liquor show today. Distillings. We'll be right back. We love to feature makers on the show. And in this particular segment, we're going to feature another maker. We are talking to some fun folks today in the Makers of Minnesota segment. You're a maker. You're a hero. It's time for the Maker's Moment. A visit with one of Minnesota's many creators, artisans, and entrepreneurs who make the Twin Cities such a cool food scene. I make things. You're a genius. Make it. For more stories like this, check out Stephanie Hansen's podcast, Makers of Minnesota, on Podcast One or wherever you find your podcasts. All right. We are here with a Maker segment. Hey, we are... Here I'm turning on buttons. I can't tell if that button is on or Sorry. off. Uh, we are with Bridget and Ralph from Damp Work Distilling, and also we are here with Haley Matthews Jones from Women Who Whiskey, and they're having a cool event that's coming up. And I have to say, this Damp Work Distilling—I'd never heard of you guys. And no. this bottle that you she doesn't in, read my stuff. That's why, you guys. Of the, I do read your stuff. I know. You know why? But I'll I just, have totally talked about okay. these guys a lot. Here, you want the honest answer? Here it is. Since I'm a seven cook and you're a ten. Yeah. Because <laughs> everybody was laughing. They, I don't drink whiskey. 
It's so not whiskey. I sort of like gloss over <laughs> when you talk about whiskey it's sometimes. It's not whiskey. What is it? Because it's, it's delicious that I'm <laughs> holding in my hand. Brandy. No, no, it's, it's, it's a liqueur. It's, it's a liqueur. Whiskey-based liqueur. Okay. Okay, let's get to what you brought in that I'm holding in my hand. It's called the Rabbit in the Rye. And it says it's a German-style herbal liqueur, which you probably would have wrote about it. And I'd have been like, oh, that's Stephanie's thing because it's brown. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's true. But it's delicious. What is it? Yeah, so it's a German-style herbal liqueur, as we said. And the base is a Tennessee rye whiskey. It came out, I think we released it about a year ago. And it was around the Christmas time. So it's packed full of different types of Christmas spices, cloves, cinnamon, and a ton of citrus. So I equate it to a cocktail in a bottle because there's a little bit of residual sugar. It has the spiciness That's probably from the why rye. I liked it. And then it has different types of, again, spices to make it kind of taste like an old-fashioned in a bottle. So all you need is an ice cube. Yes. And it's just super smooth, super delicious, and perfect when you need some warming up during the colder months here in Minnesota. I don't mean to sound like so shocked, too, that you made a good product, but <laughs> I'm always like whiskey is really hit or miss for me. It just is. I try it. Stephanie has shown me some great whiskeys that I've enjoyed over the years. But when it's like brown and it's in the bottle, I'm always like, hmm, all right. So I'm always just so pleasantly surprised when I liked it. Well, and I think Dumpfork is one of the distilleries in town that you guys don't have a tasting like a cocktail room. And so I think you guys kind of like you, we have to discover you on the shelves. And the first time I met you was at the uh, there was a tasting at the Event. at Negosi or whatever yeah. or somebody. And and it was what was the liqueur that I love the German name? The, the Helgelander. The Helgelander. And mm. I brought you the Helgelander. I and liked you it. You tasted it and you liked it. I so did. that's what yes. I was going to say is, I mean, the Helgelander is something that is a very it's a German sort of uh, it's a, yeah it is and it's, it's an a old recipe 150 years old and you just brought it back yeah and it's just like it's so surprising and it's such a beautiful thing to like point and just it brightens and we sip it after meals we sipped it after Thanksgiving last year and I'm I'm so excited that there's you guys are doing stuff like that instead of just like here's a gin here's yeah. your vodka here's a thing you know I love that fact of bringing in old time recipes and putting them in the front of everybody so this is Bridget and Ralph from Dampfork Distilling where do you distill or do you have an office or we're located in St. Louis Park okay. and as we already mentioned we don't have a cocktail room mm -hmm. so we really invested all our time in our products and our gorgeous still which we got in the Black Forest in Bavaria so it's a very beautiful handmade hand hammered Copper still. So, Ralph, you're obviously German. You've kind of got the German feel. Pennsylvania Dutch, yes. Pennsylvania <laughs> Dutch German, something exactly. like that. Yes. Um, yes. How did you guys get together or how did you start working on this? Uh, I worked 25 years in the food and beverage business. Okay. And it was a time to just do it yourself instead of convincing other people how to improve their brand. You know, I have the chemical engineering background, I worked in the food and beverage industry. And I miss these products. So yep. it was kind of the time was right. The family was supportive. And initially I thought it would be just me. Then my my son jumped in, my daughter yep. jumped in, my wife. Uh, I don't want to say I lost control, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's a so family. now it's a family business. It's a family yes. business. I love that story. Um, do you find that it's hard to get into liquor stores? Like, do you have to go and like do tastings and sample and. All the time. We are virtually Fridays and Saturdays, the whole family splits up and everybody marches somewhere to do the tasting events. Um, liquor stores are not as difficult. I think it, it took us, hard, it's more difficult to get in a restaurant in a bar. Yeah. Well, I would encourage any bars or restaurants that are listening. This product is literally fabulous. Well, uh, and it's beautiful too. If you the see the bottle the designs, the who does it. the art on your bottles? Is it? 
It's uh, not me. I just put the you stuff didn't, You didn't draw it? No, it's yeah. so beautiful. Um, Dando Projects out in New York. They are an agency that we've worked with. They're one of our friends. And they did the artwork. And then my mother and I did, like, the bottle design. And we really worked hand-in-hand hand with them. And then another family operation in so nice. Mexico for the bottling. Yeah, yeah no, they're just so beautiful. Nice. I just love them. If you are liking what we're talking about, we have uh, Haley here from Women Who Whiskey. And you guys are having an event at the uh, University Club in St. Paul where people can get to try some of this, right? That's right, yeah. So we're hosting an event. Our October program is going to be at the University Club October 24th. There are, as of today, a handful of tickets left, so literally like a dozen tickets left. Um, So we're going to be doing a guided tasting with Ralph and Bridget of three of their neat products. And then there'll also be a welcome cocktail, some appetizers, most stunning scenery ever at that time of the year. The University and, uh, yeah, Club the University is so Club incredible. And if you get a chance when you're there, go into the, but I don't know if they'll have you in the bar basement, but there's a basement in the bar that has all these signatures on it that oh. are like F. Scott Fitzgerald's mm-hmm. signature. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's crazy. Like all the lumber barons from the 19, early 1900s, all their signatures are in the bar in the basement of the University Club. It's very Super cool. cool. Yeah, so a lot of history cool. there. Yeah, so this is going to be fun. So if you're looking for tickets, you can find them on the link that we will put on the Facebook page. Okay, so you guys have this, we're calling a Rabbit in the Rye Herbal Liqueur. You have the Helgen, Hel- Helgelanda. 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 <laughs> and is there any other product that you're going to be tasting that night that you think we need to know about? Yeah, so it's October 24th, so it's really in the midst of fall. So we are featuring some of our German-style fruit brandies. Oh. What that means or what that entails is that we use the whole fruit. We mash it, ferment it, distill it, and then add water to proof it down. So no additives, no concentrates. It is just those apples that we get, the pears, the grapes, et cetera. So those Yum. will be featured. All right. Well, this should be a fun event. A handful of tickets left for yep. women. It is Women Who Whiskey. Yep, women and non-binary folks only. All right. Um, yeah, all of our events are listed on our Facebook page at um, Women Who Whiskey Twin Cities Chapter. And I have learned a lot from my women whiskey friends because Lord knows I would not have gotten there on my own. she just basically like said she doesn't look at it if it's whiskey. Yeah. That's how we started the show. Which is so rude. I, that isn't exactly true. I, I know it's look totally not true because you do try all I know, the time. And I, and I am always pleasantly surprised when I find something that's brown that I like. And yeah. I love rum so yeah. it doesn't well, even make a sense. Ga- a good gateway uh, drink. Into yeah. Whiskey, and so it's, this might be your pathway. Yes. Then. I was actually I think I'm going to run to Certix on the way home, actually. So hopefully I'll be able to find it there. (laughs) Yes. I have a brother that is in North Carolina, and he always teases me about our cocktail scene because he's kind of a snob. And so I'm like, oh, this is the perfect thing to send to him. Like, oh, look, made in Minnesota. (laughs) Yeah. Represent. Yes. Uh, Thank you. You guys can get tickets online. Thanks for coming in and being our featured maker today. Of course. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. It has been a rolling kind of afternoon, hasn't it? Or morning. It's not even afternoon. It feels like it has been. Because we went to breakfast at 730. I think you're right. That's why it does. It feels like it should already be like three o'clock and I should be ready having my hot toddy. That's right. And it's not. It's like it's 1030. It's 1030. <laughs> the day's half over for I did us. run into uh, my friend Mary at Keg and Casey the other day and it was 1030. And she's like, oh, can I buy you lunch? And I'm like, well, it's uh, still Mary? breakfast. <laughs> She's like, I literally just had lunch before I came over. I was like, wow. She's a hard worker. She is. She's one of those up at, you know, the crack of dawn and then, you know, kind of doing the things. So yes. Gotta love it. Uh, so guess what season it is? 
besides potato season, which we talk about in the uh, extra podcast. We should talk about that. If you like what you hear on the radio program, you can find our podcast at Podcast One or wherever you find your podcasts, iTunes. Um, What they do is they break the show down into two separate hours so you can podcast both hours. And then each week we are putting a bonus podcast out there, content that you can only get by subscribing and listening to the podcast. So this morning at breakfast, we did a whole different show. We did. We basically did. We took care of some of the stuff you maybe not want to hear on the air. No. talk a little bit which we talk a lot about our life stuff on the show too but we did have a a sort of a social conundrum that we went through on the podcast this morning was interesting that out was good um but beyond and one of the things we talked about was the fact that as you're eating differently this time of year i was saying that it's kind of at the fault of it's potato season because you start to your body starts to crave starches and it starts to want to pad up because it knows what's coming and i couldn't figure out if i'm eating so much more because i've been running because the 10 mile race is tomorrow Mm -hmm. that i've been practicing for or if it's just like i'm like why am i i ate so many cookies this week I've ate mashed potatoes. I eat stuff I don't eat. Yeah, and it's because your body is looking. Well, I think also it's because you're running, but your body is also looking for to warm to pad up. Something. It's it's trying to survive. It knows what's coming. I wish it was looking for this uh, damp work rabbit in the Y whiskey instead of cookies. It might be. (laughs) Uh, But the other thing that is coming in the season, of course, is that it is pumpkin season, and so it is time to start talking about pumpkins and eating pumpkins not just drinking psls and all the rest of the pumpkin flavored things we've had so many shows where we've done taste tests on the good the bad and the ugly as far as have you had pumpkin a pumpkin spice pumpkin spice latte is that psl psl pumpkin spice latte oh it's okay. like an i don't know if starbucks like you know trademarked it psl but they they have psl things i felt all like over. you were talking about like some nutritional supplement oh God, or no. something i was so confused no psl have you had a pumpkin spice latte no no i will though will you i will I'm not proud of it, but I will. I will go and I will order a skim latte with one pump of the pumpkin spice syrup and no whipped cream, please, is my order. You should probably get a full fat one so that you don't crave other carbs later. Good good advice. So skip your skim milk. And I. this is my advice for everybody who orders drinks at coffee places. I know we were conditioned to order like skim latte yep. your whole young life. Yep. Go full fat. And it will make me not crave so many carbs. You won't okay. want the I sugar like carbs later. So Love that it. helps you. Um, and it doesn't, it's not that much of a, I mean, it's better for your body. So, uh, so anyway, I have not had my PSL and I, I will have one a season. Although what happens is I usually run out of time because before the end of October, they switch over to the gingerbread thing already. But that's and a pretty good one too, to I have once a season. I, see, I don't, and I don't like that one. I just don't, it just doesn't. It just doesn't go with me, but I like the pumpkin spice once, but I usually run out of time. So I wanted to make sure that y'all got your notice up to be able to go to that. But the big thing, of course, is the stuffed pumpkin. It's time for pumpkin dip, people. It's your 11 year long trend recipe. Do you want to describe the pumpkin dip? Because we have new listeners all the time coming in. Mm -hmm. And for those old listeners, this is what you're going to want to do with your pumpkins. And I haven't done it for 11 years, to be clear. But because I did find it it is Dory Greenspan's. It's not. Oh, I mean, like I found it in probably like 2013 or 2014. But it was uh, the thing that I but I make it every year now. And now people like Janine Holig from um, Hot Indian, you know, the chef there. She's completely does her version of it on her own. And I've had other people be like, oh, yeah, I'm about to make my stuff. March pumpkin dip. And I'm like, nice. Everyone yes, has their own, own version. Dip. You know what I'm making on Tuesday? What? 
what is the other recipe that became synonymous with the show long ago that we haven't talked about for a long time? I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. It's my segment. We can't talk about it. All right, we'll talk about it. It is the apple Mountain Dew thing that you do. I'm going to make them on Jason's show on Tuesday. (sighs) He was like, you had those like dumplings. That is the number one, like what was our number one most requested recipe for forever. Yeah. I just don't abide the Mountain Dew part. I, I feel like you can make it with like with like soda water and like natural sugar. It's just that whole Please. thing. Please. I think soda I, water and natural sugar. Yeah. I'm just saying like you could do like a caramelized sugar. You could do a better flavoring. And then the soda water is what gives it its, its I know, lift. It's oomph. That's I'm what I'm just saying. Gonna laugh. You okay. can, I'm not saying LaCroix, people. I'm just saying <laughs> you can use the product oh, to give it the wow. lift. Like how about a coconut LaCroix? Actually, that would be interesting. <laughs> I think I'm the only human who likes to drink coconut LaCroix. It tastes like you're drinking suntan lotion. God, not even. There's not even enough to make it taste like you're drinking suntan. It's almost like you're thinking about suntan lotion. Kind okay. of, yeah. It's but anyway, a whiff. we're not going to hijack this because I need to talk about pumpkins. <laughs> because we need to talk about pumpkins because yes. I had an actual serious question from someone who said, Please, can I eat all the pumpkins? <laughs> and in that way is, I want to bake things. I want to cook with pumpkins. Can I eat all the pumpkins? Like a serious question about if you could actually eat pumpkins. Uh, yes. Do you feel like that's a thing? Do you feel like people, I mean, are you unaware? I don't want to, no, I, I, you can eat pumpkins. You can eat all and pumpkins. And I want people to know you can eat pumpkins. Yeah. But I can see why some people would not know if you're not a cook person and you buy a pumpkin like already condensed and cooked in the can. That's yeah. easy too. I will say, and this is maybe blasphemous, I don't think there's any difference between cooking your own pumpkin or buying it in a can. I don't either. Okay. I, I, well, I think that the control is the point. Yeah, but just like and if you want to do specific time, things, well, but I don't always want a puree either. It's like I'm true. I, if you I want wanna, like chunks, yeah, yeah. So that's the difference. Is that I, I am not against a pumpkin puree in a can. When I make the pumpkin bread, the can is the way that I go. I just made a pumpkin like custard, little custard cups. Yeah. It was pumpkin and cream, and then I baked it, and it was like delicious. Yeah, like a pot of creme. Yeah, with pumpkin. That's perfect. It was awesome. So, and this is what I want to kind of straighten out a couple of things. Like, what are the pumpkins that you should be using because in truth when I'm saying that you are you can eat every pumpkin you don't always want every pumpkin for every dish so when we're talking about doing the stuffed pumpkin you do want you know they're called baking pumpkins and that when you are eating the flesh of the inside you're pulling that inside pumpkin into the mix of the cheesiness of the goodness um, so you do want something that's a little bit bigger than your average pie, but you got to think the smaller they are, the sweeter they're going to be. And then as they get bigger, they kind of lose their flavor. They also get stringier. So when you're carving those huge pumpkins, mm-hmm. you know, the big ones and you're scraping out the inside and you get all that stringy flesh, that's what's happening as it grows bigger. And you don't necessarily want to cook that. That's not flavorful. Right. So the, the fleshier you can get, like the more condensed and compact, the smaller the pumpkins are, that's going to be the stuff you want to, if you want to slice them open and roast them and do them with butter and and then cube them into like a pasta Yum. with bacon and sage which sounds like what I want to do tonight all of a sudden <laughs> a little bit of cream the whipped baking in there pumpkins oh that sounds good i'm all sage right now by the way too so that is, I just want to let you know, sometimes they're called sugar pumpkins or pie pumpkins. Uh, pie pumpkins. Okay. Have you see seen those? Sometimes they have specific names like Baby Pam, Autumn Gold, Ghost Rider. They're called Lumina, Cinderella's, or Fairy Tales. Those are, and the Cinderella and Fairy Tale pumpkins have a little thicker skin, but the inside is spectacular. 
So if you see those, make sure that you understand. All right. Around four to eight pounds. You don't have to worry about the outside if it looks a little dull or whatever. Um, as long as it doesn't have any of those big dents or soft spots, you kind of want to feel your pumpkin up and make sure that there's no soft spots. Um, and you can keep them uh, for months at room temperature, by the way. So if you're thinking you want to do something um, right now, you know that you want your pumpkins on uh, the, sh- you know, like on your Thanksgiving table, go get them now. Go get them from the pumpkin patches that are at the orchards and everything else. Keep them at room temperature. Don't stick them outside. Just let them sit inside. Are they better the longer they sit or does that not matter? No, once they're, I think, I don't think that they get any more sugary. You know, like you're not getting, yep. you're not curing. They're, now they're done growing. They're just kind of holding. But um, I do think that, you know, uh, like I said, the smaller ones are obviously going to be better than the bigger ones in the long run, too. Okay. Um, but just keep them, just don't, as long as there's no cuts or cut into them. Can you eat white pumpkins? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, again, yeah. And like, and here's my, the big recommendation is to go out to the Arboretum. The Landscape Arboretum, you know, just out west near Victoria is they have the best pumpkin display of every season. And it's called, you know, pumpkins are in the Kirker bit family and they have all these Kirker bits and it's, what these, is a Kirker? It's bit? a Latin name for the family, the genus of the pumpkin of the squash. Got it. So, um, so they're all this kind of crazy. They have all these beautiful squashes. They have purple. They have, you know, they have the, the whole turban pumpkins. They've got all these great things. One thing that, uh, is funny is they're all squash. You know this, right? Like when we're yes. talking about pumpkins, they are in the squash family, but not all squash are pumpkins. Can you eat all squash? Somebody asked me that the other day, yeah. like the Hubbards and yep. the blue ones. And you see a lot of these squashes on display in the store. Uh-huh. You can eat them all. Again, it's the, it's the way you eat them and the, and the, uh, what you want to do with it. I think I should do a segment on that in a week or two, like different types of squashes and what you want to do with them. Okay. We can do that. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as like, as far as the basic ideas that roasting a squash is going to help get your color, your caramelization, you know, get it to like pull out the sweetness in it of yep. anything. And then from that point on, you can either cut it and dice it and, you know, saute it or do it, you know, but giving it that first roast will get it out of the skin. And also uh, if, if you don't want to like, you know, uh, shave it or whatever they call it, you know skin it yep which is hard sometimes but i do want there are a lot of people for some reason this is a weird thing somebody we were talking about pies and someone's like so was talking about their mom makes the squash pie and this woman sort of freaked out she's like oh my god squash pie that's disgusting I'm like but you like pumpkin pie and she's like well yeah pumpkin pie is great i was Aww. like you know like squash pie is basically pumpkin pie pumpkin pie is squash pie she just couldn't yeah. wrap around her head around it because she kept she was thinking spaghetti squash because that was the only kind of squash that she'd been eating huh and i was just thinking it's still like if you think about the sweetness that comes from squat from roasting squash and like sweet potato pie i know it was really weird her reaction was one of those like she just had a set idea of what squash pie would be yeah interesting yeah so kind of like my reaction to whiskey generally a little bit maybe like someone's <laughs> just reaction to bring it full circle to whiskey i know um also another just a great idea before we go is that if you have like your pumpkins and you can't quite get to them or you think you want a project but you want your project for later uh pumpkin puree freezes really well so if you want to make oh, a huge batch okay. of pumpkin puree you want to roast your pumpkins and then do a puree that you want to like season up the way you want it freeze it and then that is a great then you just defrost it for your pie in november i like it so that way it'll help out um there and you your go. pumpkin recipe everybody's going to want to know it so i will put it up i have a link to it and i will put it right on the it's like pumpkin it's easy it's basically cheese. you guys you you hollow out a pie pumpkin 
And uh, you just, you don't scrape down the sides, but you get all any seeds or whatever out. You salt it. You throw in chunks of rustic bread, seedy rustic bread. You throw in cubes of Gruyere, uh, Shepherd's Way Morcella, if you have it. You throw some Telegio, some Port Salute, whatever kind of good cheeses you want in there. I throw in bacon. You know, I actually cook up prosciutto so it's crispy. Throw that in. I throw in raw garlic because I think that's helpful. Handful of lemon thyme. Um, and then I, I put all of that in there and I shake the pumpkin up and then I top it with cream. I get it so that the cream mixture, I pour the cream in until it gets almost to the top. It can't submerge everything, but it can almost submerge things. And then I put, uh, I put tinfoil over the top because I don't want the top, the actual pumpkin lid to go in. So I tinfoil the top. I stick it in the hour for uh, the oven for an hour. You do want, not only are you trying to melt the inside, but you want that pumpkin to get soft. So it needs to be an hour minimum, maybe even an hour and a half or more. And then, um, and then I pull it out, I stick it in a thing, and I put the top on it, and then we just dip bread into it. But you fork the sides of the pumpkin down into the cream mix, and then you scoop that up. You and pull her down. I just eat it. I don't even need bread because the bread's in there. I literally just sit with a bowl of this and eat it. Like It's almost like soup, but really it's it's kind of a pumpkin hot dish. And it's I think fun about for it. events. It's kind of a pumpkin hot dish. Yeah. I'm that just, it is. I'm We're just coming, coming totally to this. full circle again. This is bizarre. Wow. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to have the moral of the story. And it might be whiskey and it might be pumpkins and it might be hot dish, but I guarantee you it'll be funny. <laughs> you are listening to The Weekly Dish presented by Red Rabbits for locations and, or excuse me, Red Rabbits two locations because now they're open on Grand Avenue in St. Paul and you should go and the four Red Cows. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Weekly Dish. It is hard to believe that we have flown through two hours of radio Goodness, it has gone so fast. It really has. It really has. But what a fun show. And it we're was. just getting up. We're coming up on Food and Ag Week. Are you doing any Food and Ag Week adventures this week? I'm going to try to dip into some. So this is a seminar that is being held in Minneapolis. This is a sort of a convention. This is sort of a, I don't even know what to call it, a symposium. Yeah. And there are so many great, uh, there are so many great people talking about great things. And it's sort of a business to business. It's not really like, you know, kind of a, you know, it's not open consumer to the driven right. as it were, but if you're interested in ag ideas about food and what's happening in the food community and yep. how food gets from farm to table over time and, you know, different uh, innovations that are happening, that's kind of what the basis of it is. And Grow North does a great job. They are a local organization funded by the Carlson School that helps put forth some of these ideas mm-hmm. and all these other like, you know, tech companies had like Tech Week and uh, you're seeing all this innovation that's happening in like Seattle and Austin, Texas at South by Southwest. And this is like Minnesota's version mm-hmm. of food and, well, and what it takes. Yeah. And I got to be honest, you guys, there's a lot of the discussion as much as we talk about food every weekend. Uh, and we talk about pumpkins and we talk about, you know, drinking little things like this that are fun. All of this, all of it, all of it comes back to the people who grow our food and the farmers who are out there and they are struggling. And there are towns that are struggling. There are entire towns that are shutting down. And there's a lot of stuff in the farm bill that is not being addressed and not being helped. And this is where I think the discussions about this, the impact is, is it's there is things are happening and things are starting to really get bad. And so. We're going to see it. There's talking about a farm crisis like we saw, you know, back in the 80s. And so this is a thing that has to be talked about. And as as more stuff comes to light and as the farm bill is being discussed, things have to be decisions have to be made. And the next generations of farmers, there aren't coming. 
Well, and I think the instability with the tariffs, too, and what that's going to mean at the end of the day, nobody's really sure. But people aren't farming because there are, the number of farms has dropped dramatically, and people aren't going into farming because they can't make it work. And all of this means that we're consolidating into a few giant farmers, farm systems, and that is not good for anybody. The diversity and the the biodiversity is what's great. And the organics movement that we all support and we try to get people to kind of buy small and local. This is this is one of the things that they think is a possibility to, to save for the next generations. But none of it is supported in the farm bill, incidentally. None. <laughs> none of it. But what is supported is uh, innovation and technology and people in our town doing cool things, trying to figure out like, what are some systems that will work better? What right. are ways that we can collaborate in order to get these products into the hands of producers? And that's the kind of innovation that is going to be happening through Food and Ag Week next week. Yep. So if you're hearing about that on Twitter, yep. that's what that's about. Support I'm hosting up. a couple luncheons. I'm nervous. Are you really? Yes. People are like coming to have lunch. And where? I, like, um, at the Guthrie. Oh, that okay. I'm at, I have a table of 10. And then I also have one in St. Paul at the History Center. Okay. And and you're hosting a table? Yes. And I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to be talking about with them or why they're coming. So I hope I'm in. I know I'll be entertaining. I mean, that's right. a given. But like, you know, do you want to talk about like how to get your food in front of people? Or I don't know. Interesting. So I'm a little nervous. Okay. But yes, that's happening this uh, week. Some good news. I just want to make sure that we shout out the fact that Jamie Malone and her lady crew have taken over the East Side Restaurant in downtown Minneapolis. Jamie Malone of Grand Cafe, of course. Uh, she has an all-female team who is, uh, they're just kind of kicking some butt. And I'm excited for them because they're full of attitude. They're full of sass. They're doing things the way that they want to do them. And I really, really like this. This is making me happy. Yeah, uh, she is such an incredible chef. But what's also incredible about her is... I think her ability as a human mm -hmm. to try to bring people along with her. Yeah. You know, she knows like, yeah, you always end up talking about the fancy chefs in town and you ended up, end up giving them the accolades. But at the end of the day, Jamie Malone can't be who she is if she doesn't have a strong squad behind her right. and a tribe of people that are helping make her successful. Yep. Whether you're washing dishes for her, right. whether you're running one of her restaurants or you're selling her great product that then she's turning into beautiful dishes. Mm -hmm. So it is an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes we talk about all oh, food writers. They just like they only talk about like the cool things that are happening in town and they don't talk about all of the things that are happening to make these systems. Well, let's just be real. <laughs> We have to talk about the things that you want us to talk about as consumers, right? It's not super sexy to talk about all that back end, but that doesn't mean we don't know that it exists. That doesn't mean we shouldn't highlight those stories. But by the way, like keep talking about them, bring it to people's attention. We can only talk about what we know. If you know someone in the food community that's doing amazing work, send a Facebook message, text, like let us know we're just humans. We only can talk about what's run across our desks, right? Right. Absolutely. And, boom, also, boom. and also to keep in mind that there's people that we talk about that you may hear their names many, many times. That doesn't mean that they're, they're not a struggling small business. Jamie Malone is a small business operator. She may have accolades from food and wine. She may be a star and no, you know, people know her name. That doesn't mean that she doesn't have debt and a, is a small business owner who's, you know, has her own struggles. Yes. I guess that's the thing is I always fear that 
you know, I was talking with Russell at Meritage the other day and we were joking about how everybody thinks everybody whose name gets mentioned is super famous and super rich. Yeah. And we're joking because, you know, they had a calamity at their house and they have to fix their kitchen. And he's like, I mean, you know, how has that happened? That's you know? a $40,000 yes. investment to fix your kitchen. This is typically. The thing that they're at, like, and so that's what I would say is that we shine on a lot of names and a lot of people and everything else. And that's how we support them because we want to get you excited about them. That doesn't mean that everybody out there, including lowly paid writers and broadcasters are all making six figures. So let's all just keep that perspective but as well. For those of you that are, you're amazing because you're right. buying all these products. You guys are going out, you're dining out. Even if you are just buying a local product at your local co-op, you are contributing to our ecosystem. There's no movement too big and no movement too small. Too true. My daughter is 20 years old and has just discovered the wedge co-op. And Good she is just like, hey, mom, have you heard of this? The wedge? I know. The we-? I'm like, yes, yeah. I have heard of the wedge. Yeah. That's her neighborhood yeah. store that she's shopping at. So you never know what all of those lessons that you teach along the way that you think like people. This is my moral of the story. OK. All the lessons that you teach your kids along the way that you think are just going in one ear and out the other. At the end of the day, your daughter is still going and buying produce at the wedge co-op, which tickles my heart just a little. Good. Good. Hey, I wanted to shout out Karen Tomlinson, too, because Karen yes. Tomlinson, uh, this is an important moment, you guys. She won the National Grand Cochon title. She is the queen of pork. She's the first woman chef to hold this title. She went to Chicago and kicked every other male chef's butt over. And I, I think there was maybe one or two other women chefs in the mix. But She did a great job. She did a great job. She won the national title, which it brings it home for the second time to Minneapolis. Because, of course, Corner Table won before under Thomas Bamer. But even more so, it was a fully Minnesota sweep this year. Dustin Wen from Martina won the Punch Kings. Like, if ever the Nationals had to say, wait, is that flyover country? And then we go, uh, No. It was that moment. And visit him at Martina and also visit Corner Table and visit her. She's making some killer food out there and has a great um, tasting menu. Too good. Well, thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Ciao, ciao.